Morning, friends. We've got a uh, fabulous passage this morning, and uh, particularly to uh, Crystal and Tani, uh, what a wonderful passage uh, for you guys today. So this is my special gift to you, if you will. So we're reading from uh, Ephesians uh, chapter 6, verses 10 to 24, and it's on page 1177. Starting at verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly, as I should. Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Thank you, Simon. Keep your Bibles open there. Welcome. Hello, I'm Colin. Good to have you with us. All right, I'm going to say two words. It might wind you up. Fidget spinners. I can hear the teachers in the room. I can hear the eyes rolling already. So love nor hate them. They're really popular at the moment, aren't they? Um, now, to me, they seem to be more of a distraction than a help. But when they first came out, it was claimed that they were the, kind of the silver bullet for helping restless children concentrate and keep still in class. You know, as if um, complex educational sets of issues could be solved by a bit of plastic with um, some skateboard bearings. A silver bullet to solve all the problems. Uh, it begs the question, is there a magic bullet for living the Christian life? Is there something that will just make it all so much easier? Because it's hard, isn't it? It's a struggle. I mean, we have doubts. We, have, uh, we struggle to read our Bibles and to pray. Uh, it's a struggle to be patient and kind, to bear with one another. It's hard to stay pure and to keep our relationships right. Have you ever wondered why the Christian life can be such a struggle? Well, today we'll see why it's not easy. And we'll see 
that what we've been given to deal with the struggle is, is much better than a fidget spinner, more powerful and guaranteed to get us through this struggle. So this is the last in our series of um, uh, looking at Ephesians. So I'm just going to do this because it's clicking in my ear and driving me nuts. That's better. Um, where are we? Yes, we're in the last of our series looking in Ephesians. Um, this letter written by the Apostle Paul. So he's the, the guy who, who first took the good news about Jesus out, to Jerusalem, out of Jerusalem to the non-Jewish world. And his letter here is to the church in Ephesus in, in Turkey. Um, so I won't go into summarize the whole letter. We'll be here all morning. But um, three key verses are really handy to, to learn and to know to help, um, to help your head and your heart to remember what this letter is all about. Okay. So, first up, chapter 1, verse 10 is the key verse, really, for the whole book. That God has a plan that all things in heaven and earth are going to be united under Christ, including you and me, either under his judgment, if we reject him, or we'll be included under him, united under him, as his brothers and sisters, at peace with God, if we follow him. So, 1, verse 10, 4, verse 1, live a life worthy of your calling. So as a follower of Jesus, live a life that's in tune with the facts that we're already rescued from our sin and the judgment that we deserve. Um, and, or that we're already enjoying every spiritual blessing. Um, live a life worthy not to work our way into God's good books, but for his glory, because Jesus has already done everything to make us right with God. So 1 verse 10, 4 verse 1. And today's passage has got our third key verse, 6 verse 10. Be strong in the Lord, and there's more to stand your ground. So that's what we'll unpack today, chap- the end of chapter 6. There's an outline in your lily flits that gives you an idea where we're heading. So first of all, be strong in the Lord. Now, if you missed it, we've just had two chapters of lovely, peaceful stuff. Okay, We've had unity, peace, purity, walking in light harmonious relationships. But then we get to this passage, and it's like the needle's been ripped off the record. We're dropped into the front line of a battle, ready to engage the enemy. In this passage, we've got armor, struggle, powers, and forces. And it's like we're being given, our captain's given us a pep talk and instructions as the battle kicks off. And here's our instructions. If, in case you missed them, they're there plenty of times. Verse 11, take your stand. Verse 13, stand your ground. Um, and after you've done everything, stand. And verse 14, stand firm. So I think there's a bit of a message there, isn't it? Did you get it? We're to take a stand. But on our own, we're hopelessly out of our depth. We must rely on God. On our own, we're hopelessly out of our depth. We must rely on God. So 6 verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So we are to exercise strength. We are to join in um, with our effort to live as a Christian. But we do so not with our confidence in ourselves, but in God with his strength 
We can struggle on knowing it's not hopeless because we have the power of God himself available to us. His mighty power. So you might remember chapter 1 verse 19. This is the same power that we've got available to us that raised Jesus from the dead and seated him in the heavenly realms. Same power. The same power that chapter 3 verse 16 with which God strengthens us by his spirit. And get this right, according to chapter 3, verse 20, God can do so much more than we can even think of, even we can even imagine. And how? According to his power that is at work within us. So we don't have to run off our own steam. We're plugged into God's power grid. He knows better than, what, than we do what we need. And he's powerful to give it to us and he's pleased to give it to us. So Crystal and Tani, you already know this power at work in you. You see, before we knew Jesus, all of us had a terminal problem. Spiritually speaking, without Jesus, we're one of the dead on the battlefield uh, but chapter 2, um, verses 3 to 5, we were, remember this, we were by, by nature deserving wrath. So we were made to love God and be loved by him, uh, trusting in him for everything. But instead, we all rejected his love because in our pride, we, we think we know better. We think swallowing the poison pill of sin, of sin against God, is better. And swallowing that pill has made us spiritually dead, lost and deserving wrath. Wrath just means God's right and fair and just settle opposition to sin and evil. Well, verse 4, for because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. By God's power and grace, his undeserved gift, anyone who trusts or believes in, and believes in Jesus is raised from being spiritually dead to being alive in Christ. And that same power is still at work in us now to help us with the struggle of the Christian life. So keep trusting in God to help you live for him. Stay trusting in Jesus for the struggle now, just as you trust in him to save you. Turn to him in prayer. Draw on him on the comfort of his word in the Bible. And another important way uh, God gives us his strength is through other believers. Um, so think about how you might build relationships here with people at church so you can honestly tell them when you're struggling and ask for help. Or conversely, think about how you are, what your gift is, how you're strong in your faith, and how you might use that to help someone else, to encourage someone else here. A phone call, or a text, a card, or a letter, or just a simple, how are you going? We've got God's power available to us for the struggle. It doesn't seem so hopeless anymore. 
it doesn't seem so scary. So if we're in a battle, who is it that we're in a battle against? That's our next point. We need to know our enemy, verses 11 and 12. So why is life for Crystal and Tani now as Christians, why is it going to be such a struggle? Well, it's because there are real spiritual forces who want to attack them, who want to attack us. So the verses say, verses 11 and 12, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Without God, we're all in above our heads, because evil is real. And we need to have the eyes of our hearts opened to see that the devil, or Satan, is a real entity. There are spiritual beings that are against God and against us. And they're really making things happen in this world. They're called authorities and powers and forces. They're dead set against those believing and trusting Jesus because they hate our victory. So we've got this first. So back in chapter 3, verse 10, we saw that God's intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known, made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Us being here as church is sending a message. So imagine Satan and his cronies. They've got a favorite pub they all hang out at. You might feel like you've been to that pub, I don't know. But, um, but I bet most of us have been in a pub, right? Um, and trendy pubs these days, they've got screens everywhere, haven't they? Like as if you've gone to the pub to watch telly. Like every line of sight, um, you're trying to have a conversation, but you're distracted by some minority sport that you've never previously been interested in, and now you're absolutely transfixed by it. But Satan and co, they're stuck with the screens constantly streaming. The church, Christians. And it yells in their face, God has won, you have lost. They see us living assured of our salvation, knowing, knowing that everything's going to be all right between us and God. And they hate it. They see us being patient and bearing with one another. And it shows them that we're one in Christ. Uh, they see a husband going the extra mile to love his wife, putting her needs above his own. Because Jesus did that for us. And it reminds the evil powers that they've lost the war. They see Crystal honoring her mum and dad. And it sickens them. Because it sickens the evil powers. Don't sicken Peter and Lisa. Sickens the evil spirits. Because it's honoring God. And they hate God. See, the world we live in is not neutral. It's not passive. It's against Jesus and the good news of peace with God that he brings. Egged on by these evil forces. They're like the, the German forces in Europe after D-Day. The war's lost. The fighting's futile. But they still attack in prideful death throes. So what do we do with this information that we've got about evil spirits? Well, I think there's two 
mistakes we can make. So it's, too, it's dangerous to be too naturalistic. So that is believing that there's nothing else supernatural other than God to worry about. Uh, and so com- become complacent. So some people will try and tell you that this list of evil things is just talking about scheme, um, government schemes and corporations and things like that, human things. Well, the Bible doesn't say that. It says in the heavenly realms, real spiritual forces. So we shouldn't be complacent about these evil powers. But also, the other danger is we can become too much like pagan religion and, and worry too much about the supernatural, seeing demonic influences behind everything, every struggle that goes on. And there's been a lot of ink spilled over the years of people trying to work out exactly what these evil beings are. You know, is there in that list that we just read, is there a pecking order and all that kind of thing? What, what does each one do? The thing is, it's all speculation. The Bible tells us next to nothing about evil powers, except that they're there and they're opposed to us. Um, Often this bit of Ephesians is seen as that kind of changing the subject and it's a bit tagged on at the end. You know, we've had the bit about living a godly life in keeping with being already saved. And now this is about some special spooky Hogwarts battle that's going on that we have to get involved in. It's like sort of special ninja Christians or something. But really the battle against evil isn't in exercising demons or overcoming Satan's strongholds. Not usually. Now the front line of battle is in everyday Christian conduct. Uh, the things that we've been looking at for the last two weeks. Our church unity. Our sexual purity. Uh, the kind of jokes that we tell. Our family life. Our work. That's the front line of the battle. And verse 11, notice we're involved in a struggle, or you, that word is um, kind of like for a wrestle. Um, so have you seen From Russia with Love, James, one of the best James Bond films? And it's got one of the best James Bond fights, because it's just him and this assassin who's terrifying, hand-to-hand combat in a, in a railway carriage compartment. That's the kind of picture you've got here, of a wrestle, hand-to-hand combat to the death. That's the sort of struggle we're in. And the front line of that is in ordinary, it's, it's quite, I'm sorry if it sounds mundane, but ordinary Christian conduct, conduct. See, Jesus' followers being church together is parading God's victory over Satan and his minions. And so that's where Satan's going to pour his energies into, into destroying church with all, his dirty, all the dirty tricks he can muster. False teaching, relationship breakdowns, Slow erosion of standards. So don't be complacent, but don't be frightened either. So when I moved to Adelaide, someone was trying to asking me what Manchester, where I'm from, was like. Yeah, just trying to get it across. And I said, well, as an example, you wouldn't walk, walk down Market Street in Manchester. It's the equivalent of Rundle Mall in Adelaide. You wouldn't walk down there with your iPhone out. And my friend was like, well, why not? I said, well, because somebody would probably come and steal it off you. It's like you're parading it around ready for stealing. Just that lower level of crime is more prevalent. Now, I didn't live in fear of that. It, it wasn't like, it didn't play my mind. It was just being streetwise. Just grew up with that streetwiseness, if that's a word. So be streetwise, knowing that you aren't living in Christian neutral territory. 
uh, the tide is against you. So keep on reminding yourself of all the blessings you have in Christ. Keep renewing your mind with things of Jesus. And, and do that actively because the tide is against you. Keep putting on the old, putting off the old and putting on the new actively. Because Satan and co. want to make you struggle to damage church and reign on God's victory parade. But remember, do all this in God's strength through the power that he gives you. So knowing our enemy, in God's strength, we are to put on our armor, verses 13 to 18. God has given us everything we need. We are completely protected by the gospel. In our struggle, we are completely protected by the gospel. Uh, Verse 13, we'll pick it up there. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. So it's assumed we face a day of evil, that is, struggles against these evil powers. And what we're given is armor for withstanding attack. So it's not talking about going out claiming territory, um, like we've got to win something. People talk about spiritual warfare, but really the outcome is never in doubt. Now, God isn't going to lose. God's already won. And we just need to stand in that victory, in God's strength, in what he's already won for us. So we get to this list of armor, don't we? Um, And Paul's writing this letter, we think, chained to a Roman soldier. So maybe he was looking around thinking, oh, I need an illustration for this. Oh, you'll do. So maybe he's picturing a, a Roman soldier. But he's also probably also thinking about how Jesus, the Messiah, or Christ, was described in the Old Testament by the prophet Isaiah. I'm sorry, I forgot to put these on the screen. But listen to this. This will sound familiar. From Isaiah 11.5, describing the Messiah. Righteousness will be his belt, and faithfulness the sash around his waist. And from Isaiah 59, put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak, as in a cloak. This can't be a coincidence, can it? The armor we have to put on is the armor that God gives us in Jesus. Now, people Again, spilt a lot of ink about this armor. There's one um, book that's in three volumes explaining in detail what each of these bits of armor is all about. But in the end, they're all aspects of the gospel. The armor is what Jesus has been doing. Our armor is chapters 1 to 3 of Ephesians. And it's tried and tested armor. Proven in battle against evil by Jesus, who has already won the war. Who rules rules over all and will return to destroy evil once and for all. So let's whiz through them. I don't want to shortchange you. We'll whiz through these armor. Verse 14, it begins. Truth. So that's the truth of who Jesus is and what he's done. Battling against the lies of the evil one. Uh, Righteousness. So knowing that God sees us as perfect. 
because Jesus has made us pure and holy, given us his righteousness. Shoes. So these are the kind of long-distance marching shoes of the gospel. So we will find ourselves putting our herald's messenger's shoes on, taking out the gospel. Arrows. Um, of Satan. These are arrows of feeling guilty. Um, Satan's guilt causing accusations and temptations. They're extinguished as we're reminded by faith of the gospel. The helmet of salvation, knowing that we're saved in him. And the sword of the spirit is the word, the message of the gospel, as we find it in the Bible. And all the Bible points to the good news about Jesus. So don't see this armor as some special code that you've got to decipher that's only for special ninja Christians and if you get this just right all your struggles will go away rather expect to have struggles but know that you can stand in them completely safe because you're covered head to toe by the gospel of God's grace given you for free in Jesus you're covered and safe um, just imagine, uh, I hope this doesn't send you to sleep, but imagine a five-day cricket test. Some people enjoy them. Uh, day one, the batsman goes out in all his protective gear. You know, the helmet, gloves, arm pads, leg pads, all the rest of it. Pretty wise, right? But then on day three, he thinks, ah, I, I don't need all that. I'll just look after myself. I'll just be quick on my feet. What would you think of them? Pretty dumb. Same with the gospel. The the only way any of us can be saved is trusting and believing in Jesus who died to pay the price for our sins. Was resurrected, showing that we can be resurrected to eternal life and now rules over all heaven and earth. Putting on the armor of God basically means knowing the gospel, living the gospel, and telling the gospel. That's how we stand firm in Jesus. It's simple, but it requires all God's strength and his mighty power for us to do it. So verse 18, pray in the spirit. That is, pray in line with what we know God wants from his word. Take hold of Jesus and all of his armor in prayer. So we're to stand our ground. But we can also pray, like Paul does, for God's strength as we go on the offensive. Now, it'd be easy now for Crystal and Tani to work hard at creating a Christian bubble. You know, I mean, if we all get, get, get even half right living this worthy, living a life worthy of our salvation, if we get it half right, how lovely would that be? You know, just hang around with Christians all the time, nice and cozy. Peace and unity, respectful relationships, all underpinned with the joy and peace that God gives us. But everyone needs to hear this good news. This good news that Jesus makes anyone who believes in him right with God. Raising us from being dead in our sins to being alive, given his perfect record. Everyone needs to hear that. And he's covered us so that we're armed and armoured, ready to take out this good news message 
So we can pray along with Paul that whenever we speak, words may be given us so that we will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, that we may declare it fearlessly. And finally, how are you going? So it's easy to skip over these last bits of letters, isn't it? You can skip over the beginning and the hello and the goodbye at the end. But we're at the end of this letter, and Paul's concerned for the people he's writing to that they know how he's going. He wants them to be encouraged. Living as a Christian is a struggle, and we're not supposed to go it alone. We need one another. Uh, that's why we promised this morning to support Crystal and Tani in their walk. We need to ask one another, and we need to let one another know how we're going in our faith. We need to encourage one another in seeking God's strength. We need to help one another put on our armor, reminding one another that we're safe in Jesus, helping one another to resist Satan, living a life worthy of being included in Christ as we are. Crystal and Tani know that they're safe from the evil one this morning. They are fully armored with the gospel. They know the grace and peace and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. They are strong in the Lord. Are you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thanks for all that we've learned from this letter to the Ephesians. Please help us um, know all the blessings we have in Christ. Please help us live a life worthy of the fact we're already saved and have everything in Christ. And please help us to stand, stand firm, uh, confident in the armor of the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.